Crossroads, we're kicking off a new series today called This Changes Everything, and we're recognizing the power of what we're celebrating as we enter the Easter season. I couldn't be more thrilled to celebrate this year everything that God has done for us and to really just lean into how He does change everything in our lives. Let's, let's recognize something as we dive in today, that no matter who you are, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're joining us from today, the reality is, is that if you are living life without putting your trust in Jesus, without any hope for eternity, without believing that Jesus is who he says he is, just recognize something. There really is no purpose to your life. There is no hope of anything to come. There really is a struggle to figure out what your identity actually is if you don't have that construct, if you don't have that belief in Jesus. But when you put your trust in him, know this, it changes everything. If you believe that you are created in the image of God, that you are his prized possession, that he formed you out of the ground, he breathed life into you, that he created you with a purpose and a plan, well, then you know who you are. You're a child of God. You are his prized possession. Your life, it matters. If you're trying to figure out in life, what is my purpose? Why am I here? If you believe in Jesus, you believe that you were created by him and you were created for him, that you've been given gifts and abilities that he gave you with specific purpose from the beginning of time to fulfill in your life. You know who you are. You know what your purpose is. And the most amazing piece of this is you know where you're going. You have an eternal destiny. It's more than just this life that we have to look forward to. We have the hope of spending eternity with Jesus. We have hope for a future. And that changes everything. That's what Jesus has done for us. When we put our trust in him and say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I need you. Forgive me. Set me free. That changes everything. And at the end of the day, you guys, that's why we do everything we do here at Crossroads. We want to connect as many people as we can with that hope of Jesus. We want to invite every single outsider we can to experience a changed life because we believe that Jesus changes everything. And I hope that today you'll just be able to lean into what that means in your life and be willing to just lead with surrender and be willing to come to Jesus with that attitude of just saying yes. Because I believe that that journey with Jesus begins when we say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I need you. But that journey continues by us just having that attitude every single day. Jesus, whatever the question is that you're asking of me, wherever it is that you're leading me, the answer is yes. That's how we live life to the fullest. That's how we become who God created us to be and to live into the purpose and the plan and the hope that he created us for. It's just constantly and daily saying yes to Jesus. And keeping that in mind, I just, I want to lean into this, this Palm Sunday that we find ourselves at in Easter season because we're looking at the life of Jesus and we're learning some really important things about him that apply directly to us. And, and the first thing that we're diving to in this series is the recognition that I have to deal with some issues in my life. Our, our culture tells us that as, as, as a people, we should be consumed with, with different things in our lives that, that we should be pursuing. We should be pursuing after money, possessions, wealth. That should be a main goal of our life. Uh, we see a culture that thrives on pursuing pleasure. We see a, 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 a culture that's just focused on getting as much power as they possibly can and leading the way in, in pride. Like it's, it's all about me. It's about what I want. I've got this. And all of these things 
run counter to the life that Jesus has called us to. And if we are embracing who he is and what he has done for us, we can't encounter that love, we can't encounter that kind of change without ourselves changing and becoming more like Jesus. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves of recognizing I can no longer live the way that I've been living. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to embrace this change that Jesus offers me, this life to the fullest. I want to embrace the identity that I have in him, the purpose that he created for me, the destiny that he has in store for me. And to embrace those things, we've got to change how we look at life. And I think it starts with that number one idea of, of just battling our pride. And Jesus leads the way for us in, in how he embraced the cross. And as we enter into Holy Week, what we're celebrating today is this triumphal entry that he had into Jerusalem, knowing full well that his week was going to end with him being beaten, with him suffering, with him being crucified on that cross, dying, and then three days later being raised from the dead. Jesus knew what was happening to him even as he was being welcomed in Jerusalem to all of these crowds at the height of his popularity. And as we unpack that today, I just want to encourage you to think about the humility that Jesus led with, the humility that he calls us to live with, and think about how our pride gets in the way of that. Because if we're consumed by our pride, if we're going to live life saying, God, I hear you, I, I hear what you're saying to me, but I've got this, I know what I'm doing, that stuff affects other people, but it's not going to affect me, I can control this, just know this, your, your life's going to go down a path that God never intended you to go down. That road's always going to take you farther than you ever thought it would. And pride, man, it always destroys. We've got to be willing to lay that pride down and follow the example of Jesus. And I want to start in Matthew chapter 16. This is a, a set of verses that we're going to start every sermon with uh, for the next four weeks throughout this series because it's... it's Let's just be honest, it's gold, all right? It's Jesus speaking, so that's always gold, but this is like next level gold, all right? So we're diving into this in Matthew 16. And the context for this is important because just before these verses, Jesus has had a really important conversation with his disciples. Uh, he asks the question, hey, who do you say that I am? I mean, they've been with Jesus for a long time. They've seen him perform miracles. They've listened to him teach. They've recognized that Jesus is not like a normal person, right? And so he's wanting to know like definitively, who do you say that I am? And so his disciples answer. They say, well, some say that you're Elijah reborn. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the great prophets reborn. But Jesus isn't content with that answer. He says, no, who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And it's this amazing confession of faith where Peter is saying, Jesus, you are Lord that changes everything because Jesus acknowledges that what Peter has said is true and he blesses him for acknowledging that. He says, hey, God revealed this to you. And he says, Peter, I'm blessing you. I'm going to build my church on you. You, Peter, will be a voice that the church is built upon. It's an amazing moment. And then Jesus goes on to tell his disciples what's about to happen. He's on a mission. Remember, he came here to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to make it possible for us to invite thousands of outsiders to a changed life through him. And he tells them, hey, in just a little while, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer at the hands of all the leaders. I'm going to be crucified. And in three days later, I'm going to rise from the grave. I mean, he, he lays it all out there. This is what's going to happen. 
And Peter responds after just saying, Jesus, you are Lord. You're the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. There's no one like you. Peter responds to that statement by saying, oh, Jesus, that will never happen to you. Stop it right now. And Jesus responds in that moment by saying, get behind me, Satan. Like, whoa, 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 what just happened here? That's a little bit of whiplash. But can we just be honest? We've all been there, right? You have like this great moment with God and then you, you say something stupid like that too. I mean, come on, we've all been there, right? Peter has this moment where, man, he has this amazing recognition. Jesus is Lord and that, that's a difference maker. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, hey, no, that, that's not the mission. Get behind me, Satan. That's not the mission. And then it says... <laughs> This, this is where it gets to the gold. It says in Matthew 16, 24 through 26, then Jesus went to work on his disciples. That sounds scary. Can we just be real? That sounds scary. When Jesus goes to work on you, it's usually not comfortable. Can we just be real? Remember, there's no comfort in the growth zone. There's no growth in the comfort zone. When Jesus goes to work on you, it's not really gonna be fun in the moment, right? Jesus went to work on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. I mean, he's not beating around the bush here. He's being pretty direct. This is important. He goes on to say, don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? I mean, he's getting to the heart of the most important things that we deal with in life. He's talking about our eternal destiny. He's talking about our very soul. But notice where this all begins. Jesus went to work on his disciples. Catch this now. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. That's a big statement. And when it comes to our pride, can we just recognize this statement about pride? When it comes to pride, that's where I lose myself. He talks about losing yourself and finding yourself. I lose myself when I follow my pride. Because when I'm following my pride, I'm living life on my own terms. I hear what God is saying. I, I recognize that he's trying to, to point me in a different direction, but I, I keep God at a distance and I say, no, God, I've got this. I'm gonna be fine. I can control this. No, but I want you to do it a different way. That, that path leads nowhere good. No, God, there are other people who can't control these things, but I can, I'll be fine. And in our pride, we go down paths we were never intended to, to walk down. We go down paths that always take us farther than we wanna go. Our pride destroys us. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you're going to follow me, if we're going to do this journey together, you've got to let me lead. You've got to follow. You're not in the driver's seat, he says, I am. And that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Um, not only do we not let, like to let Jesus drive, I would contend even when we do let him drive, we often are backseat drivers. You know what I'm saying? Oh, God, are you sure that's how you want to do it? And I hate backseat drivers. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Sometimes I am one, I'll be honest. I'm just divulging, being vulnerable and being, I am a backseat driver sometimes. And sometimes I'm right. <laughs> sometimes I'm wrong. When you have a backseat driver though, man, that's infuriating. It just really, it just, it gets you, ah, gets you, oof. 
I'm sure God really appreciates it when we do that to him, right? Like, yeah, yeah you created us. Yeah, you saved us. But I think I know better. I mean, really, I, he's, he is so patient. He is so kind. Um, I just experienced this whole idea of letting God drive in real life uh, this last week. Uh, we had one of the worst travel experiences of my life, along with apparently half of, of the nation who traveled for spring break here this, this last week. Uh, when we drove over to Chicago to catch a flight for spring break, uh, the first time this has ever happened to me, we went to Chicago O'Hare Airport, one of the largest airports in the world, and all of their economy parking lots were full. I just want you to think about that for a second. Every one of them were full. That should have been my first signal, like this is not going to be a good travel experience. I, I didn't really let it set in. Uh, they had people standing at the gates to all of the economy lots saying, you can't park here, there's only three lots open, A, B, and C. So we're like, how do we get there? We've already been driving around looking at lots, it's starting to get close to flight time, where do I go? The lady just says, go three lights, take a right. They're like, oh, awesome, here we go. So I've got you know, Dana in the front seat going, there's stoplight number one. There's stoplight number two. There's the, I can count to three. <laughs> we pulled in. Lot A, just in case you're wondering, is just for hourly parking. We were gone for seven days. I'm going, I'm not paying by the hour. It's not going to happen. Lot B is valet parking. I am way too cheap to do valet parking. That's never going to happen. I'd rather get my car towed than pay for valet parking. Lot C pull in, it's the only lot available. I get in and the daily rate is $42 a day, $42 a day. We went Friday to Friday. I had to pay $336 to park my car at O'Hare Airport. I mean, this is real life. I'm going, ah, that's more than it costs for a round trip ticket to get me out of here. <laughs> so I am, I am irritated, right? Like I am irritated. We get in a lot, people have been driving so crazy that people have parked in spots that aren't spots. I go down the whole end of an aisle, get the turn at the end, and people have parked in the road. You can't get out. So now I have to back all the way out of the parking lot at O'Hare Airport. I'm backing up, and my kids tell me, Dad has his angry face. <laughs> it's like this. but with a little bit more steam, I think, a little bit more passion. Uh, we finally find a spot, technically it was for the snow plows. You could be towed November 1st through April 1st. It was April 1st. So I was just hoping, I was like, oh God, please bless me and don't let my car get towed. We were hoping and praying that the car wouldn't get towed and sure enough, when we got back, it was still there. It was, oh, thank you, miracles happened. I was so happy. Um, I had to deal with the backseat driver a little bit, light one, light two, light three. I get it, stop it, I've got it. Um, our flight was delayed, but we made the connecting flight in Atlanta. Plane gets there, get off. People are going, oh, the cruise will be here in 20 minutes. We'll let you know. Then the announcement is made over the airline. This flight has been canceled to Tampa. We said, oh, no. Oh, no, this is real life. And it was like chaos, right? There's 200 people in the line to get rental cars. There's no flights. They said, we can get you to Tampa. It'll be Saturday night. We'll fly to L.A. and then from L.A. to Tampa. And I'm going, what, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? That's the option they gave us. I'm like, what? I could walk there. I could walk there faster. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, 
Here's what we had to end up doing. This is real life. The only way we were able to get to our destination was I called my sister who lives in Clearwater. I said, Krista, if you're willing to just start driving toward Atlanta, I will get like a Lyft or an Uber and I'll just get somebody to drive as far south as possible and meet halfway. And sure enough, we got into a Lyft. I had picked a city that was within reason, not spending a fortune. And this driver said, hey, I'll just drive you to wherever your sister is. We'll meet. And I'm going, yes, this is fantastic. Let me tell you something. In the middle of figuring out that chaos and finally getting to our destination, which was terrible, um, I was able to experience driving to Florida with a driver. I didn't have to drive. It was amazing. Like, if, if I can't fly there, oh, I would like to be driven there. That was fantastic. Uh, Denise, Denise led the way. It was fantastic. We learned all about Denise, got to my sister, got out, pay, <laughs> paid another small fortune, and then, then got to Clearwater. That was an amazing three-hour experience. Denise is driving. Oh, just follow Denise, let her drive. That was the least stressed I was the entire day. Someone else was driving. It was fantastic. And I think that's the picture that God gives us, right? He's saying, hey, if you want to follow me, let me drive. <laughs> You're not driving anyway. Get real. I'm the one driving, so just move over and let me drive. And you're like, but God, what about taking that exit? Quiet, you. <laughs> God's driving. And what happens is in our pride, we're like, well, I know better. This is what makes sense to me. And we forget, man, God sees way farther down the road of life than we do. He knows what's best for us. And we've got to trust that when he guides us, when he leads us, when he directs us, it's for our own benefit. But our pride gets in the way. And our pride, it, it keeps God at, at a distance. And never forget this. When you are living in and walking in your pride, it never means that it's because you're perfect and you've arrived. No, it's all, it's, it's all a facade. It's all a mask. When you're walking in pride, you're, you're, you're overcompensating for your, your own insecurities and your own fears and your own feeling of unworthiness. That, that's what pride is. You're keeping everyone at a distance. You're not allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And what does that do? It keeps all of your relationships at bay. So think about how destructive pride is when it comes to your relationship with God. When I'm not able to be honest with God, when I'm not able to be vulnerable, when I'm walking with this overwhelming sense of pride and arrogance because I'm just too afraid to let God know, yeah, I am unworthy. Yeah, I am afraid. Yeah, I am insecure. And I, I keep him at a distance. That doesn't lead anywhere good. Pride is the most destructive sin, I think, that we can allow to live in our lives. That's not acknowledging the, the most important thing. Jesus, I need you. That, that statement only comes with humility. You have to battle through your pride to get to that place. Jesus, I need you. And then that is a moment that changes everything. We've got to battle through our pride. And, and when you talk about Jesus going into Jerusalem, knowing full well what awaits him there, I mean, this really is an extraordinary moment where Jesus is modeling humility and he's modeling the, real, the realization that I stay humble, I, I avoid pride in my life by being like Jesus. Well, what was Jesus doing? He was staying laser focused on the mission that God had called him to. And I, I want to think about that for a second because it's really important. The only reason 
Jesus was able to go into Jerusalem and, and do what he did was he was laser focused on the mission. He knew the pain that was waiting. He knew the suffering that was about to happen. And this would have been the biggest temptation at the height of his popularity in this moment, the triumphal entry, to just veer off course and, and do what he wanted, to, to allow pride to creep in and do what was best for himself. But he didn't do that. He was on mission. I mean, let's, let's read this together. It's Palm Sunday. It says that Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it, which is fantastic. I'm just going to stop there and interject. Don't try this in your real life. Like... <laughs> Yesterday at the Easter extravagance, I went out to the, the Ben's pretzels truck and I got myself a pretzel. You know, I, I guess I could have said when they gave me the pretzel and walk away, hey, where are you going? The Lord needs it. I, <laughs> but I don't think that would have gone over well. I, I think this is a specific instruction for a specific time from Jesus to his disciples. So let's leave it in that context. I mean, you can try it. Tell me your story. See how that goes. Um, <laughs> so they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. They're starting to treat him like a king here. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. What a great response. Like, nope, this is happening. People are celebrating. This moment is about to happen. Now, it wasn't the moment that they thought was going to happen. I think that when you look at the history of this, you realize that the people were looking for a savior, one who would deliver them probably from the Roman, emperor, the, the Roman Empire they would realize that in their minds, they're thinking, oh, we're looking for someone to save us like Moses saved us from the hand of the Egyptians. But the mission of Jesus was so much greater than that. The mission of Jesus was of eternal freedom. He came to set us free from our sins, to pay the price that we could not pay. He came to forgive us. He came to set us free. And that's a gift that's available to everyone. That's what he was focused on. And that's why even though he knew what was awaiting him at the end of that week, he was able to go in there and stay focused on the mission and lead the way with humility. And I think we have to recognize this. I find myself when I lead with humility. That's where I live into who God is and who he created me to be. I have to lead with humility. I've got to follow this example that God has given to me. I've got to stay focused on the mission that he's given me. I can't let my pride get in the way. I can't make it all about me. I've got to stay focused on who God is, who he is calling me to be. And I've got to lead with humility. That's how Jesus led and we are to follow his example. And it says in Philippians chapter 2, Paul speaks to this. I mean, he's talking about Jesus in this moment. He says in Philippians 2, don't be selfish. Don't let your pride get in the way. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. 
Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. I mean, he became a man. God became man. God came to planet Earth on a mission. And he led the way on that mission with humility. That's the first trait that we see about Jesus. And I think we've got to recognize this. If you want to find yourself, the way that Jesus says, we've got to find yourself, you've got to be humble, and that means you're being selfless. That means you've got to allow yourself to get uncomfortable sometimes. When Jesus is about to go to work, <laughs> you don't run away from that moment. You lean into it. There's no growth in the comfort zone. There's no comfort in the growth zone. Let God work in you because that way he can work through you. You can find yourself living on mission and becoming the person that he called you to be. And I think the trap that we fall into a lot of times is we allow ourselves to get comfortable, right? Pride starts to, to creep in and, you know, we've been a Christian for a while now and, you know, we're better than all the other people that come out here because we've been doing this for a long time. Those are the temptations that sneak in, right? That's how pride creeps its way in. And sometimes we forget we're on a mission. God's given us the most important mission. We're here to connect people with him. That's the same mission that Jesus had, to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to invite outsiders to a changed life, and he's called us, he's commissioned us to do the same thing. And think about how important that is, because it was the mission that kept Jesus on track. It was the mission that didn't allow him to get sidelined side and, and sidetracked by all the crowds shouting his name, welcoming him as a conquering king. No, he didn't let that distract him. He didn't allow pride to enter in. He led the way with humility. He stayed focused on the mission. And you guys, he's given us that mission. I mean, he did it in, in, in the book of Matthew, the Great Commission. It says, man, all authority has been given to me because of what he did. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. He says, therefore, go and make disciples in all the nations, connect people to me, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the commands I've given you. And then he says this, and remember, I'm with you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the, the mission that I'm giving you, and know this, I'm with you. We're in this together. That's the mission. And I want to encourage you to live life on mission. Because if you're willing to lean into who God is and what he's calling you to, to, to look around you at the people that God's placed in your life with the eyes that Jesus has, you're willing to be his hands and his feet, you're going to be able to be part of this mission. You are going to be able to be part of people's stories as you invite outsiders to a changed life and connect them with Jesus. There is nothing better than that. And if you're staying focused on the mission, it keeps you humble because you're not able to forget who you are, why you are who you are, because of what Jesus has done for us, and, and becoming who God called you to be. And I think that means stepping out of our comfort zone. It, it means giving up some of the things we love sometimes. And why do we do that? Well, I think we give up things that we love for people that we love more. I think we've got to be willing to say, hey, sometimes I've got to get uncomfortable. I, I want to do my part to connect people with Jesus. It's, it's not about me. I can't let my pride get in the way of that. I got to lead with the same humility that Jesus had. I, I love that concept of the church that we exist <laughs> to invite outsiders to a changed life. It was William Temple, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury back in the 1940s. His statement that he was famous for was, 
He said the church is the only organization that exists solely for the benefit of people who are not its members. And when you think about that, it's true. Our mission is to connect people who are outside of our church walls to the, the good news of Jesus. That's who we are. That's, that's why we exist. That is our mission. And it was that mission, it was that focus that kept Jesus on the path that he, he came to, to deliver us from. It's that mission that kept him laser focused on fulfilling that plan that God had for him. And we think about how we are to follow that example of humility in our lives. I think that humility comes from never forgetting what God has done for us. Never forgetting he paid a price I couldn't pay. He loves me with a love I don't deserve. I'm walking in his grace by his mercy. And if I never forget that, I, I can't become too prideful because I never forget who I am and why I am the way I am. It's all because of Jesus. And if I realize, man, God did this for me. Now he's called me to help do this for others. That's my mission. And that, that keeps me exactly laser focused on becoming who God called me to be. I would contend with you today, the Christian life is as simple as this. It starts by saying yes to Jesus, getting rid of my pride and saying, Jesus, I need you. That's how it begins. And then every day after, just saying yes to Jesus over and over and over again. When God speaks, I say yes. When he prompts me to do something out of my comfort zone, I say yes. If that's your attitude, if you're just willing to say yes to Jesus, I guarantee you, you're gonna find yourself exactly where God called you to be. And if I can just be real with you for a second, I mean, that's, that's my job to help you get to that place. That's a heavy responsibility. I've had all kinds of jobs growing up. I started out as a paper boy for the Elkhart Truth, just throwing that out there, when there was actual newspapers that we threw in front of people's yards. That's what we did. Uh, you remember those? You'd open the paper, you'd read it. I don't know if you remember those things. Old school. Started out as a paper boy. What else? I worked at Martin's Supermarkets, worked at a gas station. I worked at a wood factory making armrests for RVs. This is great stuff, you guys. Very interesting. Valet parked cars, took people to their rooms at a hotel. Oh, man, I was a salesman, worked at a clothing store. I've done it all. Cut down trees. I'm a utility guy. I do it all. Not very good, but I do it all. <laughs> then I became a pastor, and you realize... You know, my goal and my, my job is to help you live on mission. My job is to guide you through this journey of life. And my goal is that when we all take our last breath, that when we're all standing before God, we can hear those words, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, that's my job. That's my goal. That's, that's my dream for everyone who's here today. That's what I want for you. And so that's my job. That's my job description. <laughs> Get all these people to heaven and hear well done, good and faithful servant. No big deal. <laughs> that's heavy. But when you encounter Jesus, you guys, it changes everything. And we can't let our pride get in the way of that. Because our pride it will be the thing that gets us in trouble. That will get in the way of that moment. If we don't deal with our pride, I don't think there's any way we can hear those words from Jesus. That's why this is really, really important. I want all of us to be able to experience that moment. I want us all to be celebrating in heaven what God has done in us and through us. Celebrate the destiny that he has given everything so we could experience together with him. This is serious. This is a big deal. We gotta get through our pride. 
It goes on in Philippians 2 to say this, when, when he appeared, Jesus in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. I mean, this brings us to the next point. You want to find yourself? Be humble and submit. Nobody likes that word. It, it requires obedience. That, that's me humbling myself and saying, God, you know better than I do. If this is what you are telling me to do, I will do it. I will be obedient. And we talk a lot about here, at, about our culture here at Crossroads. It's a culture of grace and truth. Let me tell you exactly what that means. Grace is us welcoming everybody who walks through the door and loving them with the love that God has for them. Because God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. Can I get some excitement about that? God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. He came and he suffered and died for you. And if you'll just say yes to him, he offers you hope and he offers you a future. I just want to encourage you with that today. That's grace. But Jesus, it says in John 1:14, he came full of grace and full of truth, both of these things. Truth is the challenge of what it means to live the life that God called us to. That's me being willing to embrace what God speaks to my life as truth and being willing to put that into practice in my life. That requires obedience. And that's why we say God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. Why? He wants you to become more like him. And how do you do that? By being obedient. When he speaks, when he prompts you, when he challenges you to move, the answer is yes. Yes, God, I'll, I submit. I'm yours. I will be obedient. And those are the times that he calls us out of our comfort zone. Those are the times when he shatters our pride because it's not the way I want to do it anymore. God, I'm being humble. It's, it's, it's your way. Yes. God, I will follow you. I will let you lead. You're in the driver's seat. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even going to be a backseat driver. God, I'm going to be quiet. Just do it. Just do it. I'm not even watching. Just do it. <laughs> That's where he calls us to be. That's what it looks like to live with humility and not let your pride get in the way. And because Jesus did this, get this, it says in Philippians, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, it goes all the way back to that confession that Peter made. Who do you say I am? Well, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Jesus, you are Lord. And that shatters our pride. And so if I'm going to live in humility, that means I've got to be humble and surrender. Yes, Jesus, I need you. Yes, Jesus, whatever it is that you're asking me to do, whatever that next step is that you're calling me out to in faith, whatever it is that you're asking me to get rid of in my life, Jesus, the answer is yes. I'm not going to let my pride get in the way. I'm not going to act like I've got it all together and I'm okay. No, Jesus, in humility, I say, I need you. And the answer is yes. And that is how we embrace the life that God has called us to. This is what changes everything. I am very intrigued by how the passage of Scripture in Luke 19 ends. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. It's the triumphal entry. Everyone is singing his praises, calling him the king. The Pharisees don't like it. He's saying, hey, if they be quiet, the rocks will cry out. Creation itself will sing my praises if they are not celebrating right now. And then it transitions quickly to something very somber. It continues in Luke 19. It says, as he came closer to Jerusalem, still riding on the donkey, still being surrounded by crowds, yelling his name, as he saw the city ahead... Jesus began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. 
Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place. And why is that? Because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Man, that's such a terrifying statement that Jesus makes. Terrifying in the sense that I don't want to miss when God speaks to me. I don't want to miss it when God visits us where we are at. And I want to challenge you today. Man, if God is speaking to you, if he is prompting you, if he is challenging you to take a next step, don't let your pride get in the way. It's okay to say, Jesus, I need you. In fact, that's what he is calling you to do. The way to become who God created you to be is by simply saying yes. And I believe that here at Crossroads, that journey begins by saying yes to Jesus. That's why at the end of every service, we're giving people a chance to say yes to Jesus. I want to make sure everybody has a chance to begin that journey with him. And so as we come to a close today, I want to ask you this question. Where is God trying to lead you? Can you just consider that for a moment? I mean, he says in Matthew 16, Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. But in our pride, we resist those moments, right? In our pride, we want to hold on to the way we've been doing things and, and keep God at a distance, and that destroys our soul. It's in these moments of humility where we say, God, I'm letting you lead. Whatever you want, wherever you want to take me, I surrender. God, the answer is yes. That's the moment where everything changes. And so I want to give two opportunities today. Number one, I want to give everyone here a chance to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. Because that's the moment where you recognize, hey, no more pride. Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I'm tired of, of trying to figure this out on my own. I need you. And so if you're here today and your heart maybe is racing a little bit and you're realizing, man, I need to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to make this as easy as I possibly can for you. If you say this prayer, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you say this prayer and you mean it, this is the moment where you can be forgiven and you can be set free. And so I want to invite you to say this prayer with all of us. Can everyone just join me in, in praying this prayer and reading this prayer together? Let's say this. Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. Can we give God the glory today because of who he is and the love that he has for us? Yeah. Listen, if you are here today and you prayed that prayer for the very first time, we want to celebrate that with you. I'd love for you to come meet Keith after the service is over. He's got a Bible he'd love to give you. He wants to help you take the next step so that you can experience the fullness of Jesus in your life. Come forward after the service is over and connect with Keith. But also if you're here today and you're realizing that you've been resisting, you've allowed your pride to get in the way of, of God doing some things in your life that he longs to do in you and through you, I just want to encourage you today to make sure that your answer to Jesus in this moment, whatever he's asking you to, whatever next step it is that he's calling you to take, whatever he's asking you to lay down, just make sure that before you leave the day that the answer is yes. Because that's how you live life to the fullest. That's how everything changes. You're allowing God to do what he wants to do in you and through you. And so my prayer today as we leave is that all of us lean into who God is, 
that we are willing to surrender and say yes to who he is calling us to be and that we will leave the day starting a movement where we're living on mission, inviting outsiders to a changed life and becoming who God called us to be. Would you stand with me as we close this time together in prayer? Jesus, you're so good. And we just thank you for your many blessings. God, you've paid the price we couldn't pay. You've paid a debt that we we couldn't even come close to paying on our own. And God, we're just forever grateful for the love that you have for us. And God, I just ask that you would help us, help me to not allow any pride to come in my life. God, help us to just come to you with humility and just be willing to say yes, God, to whatever it is that you're asking us to do. God, the next step of faith you're asking us to take, the person that you're asking us to invite to a changed life, the thing that's a barrier between us and our relationship with you that you're asking us to lay down and and repent and let go of. God, may the answer be yes. And may you be glorified. May you be given the praise, God. May you begin a movement that sees your people living into the freedom and the purpose that you've created us for, changing lives and inviting people to join in on this mission because, God, you have done something that no one else can do. Jesus, you are Lord. You are the name above all names. There is no one like you. And so we just pause today. Jesus, we say yes. And we lay it all down at your feet. We thank you and we praise you. We pray this in your holy name. And together we say, amen.